0: All right, welcome back to another episode of your favorite Monday night podcast, the Turn the Mic On podcast. It is our, your favorite host, the one and only Mikey. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, his, and Beyonce. I mean, we go over this every week at this point. Are you sure you know me? (laughs) Nonetheless, welcome back to another week of complaining, rambling, and talking and turning your mic on. Now today we have a very relatable topic for some of us re- some, uh, excuse me, for some of us that are recent grads, for some of us that are struggling because we were born under late stage capitalism where our labor is exploited, for those of us that are working adults. this episode is for y'all, and I have a special guest, someone that <laughs> is my girl. Look I had not liked this child before. Uh, some events happened and made us stuck like glue, um, a fellow 757 native, my home girl, my home girl. Um, but no, I present to you one of my favorite people in the world and I'm actually surprised at how close we are because I think we're polar opposites, but we're also similar as fuck, but who knows? Um, but welcome Alexis. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast, girlfriend.
1: Hi. Uh. I always love your description of our friendship because literally, if you would have met Mikey and I when we first, like if you asked Mikey, if you were to go back in time and find Mikey and I from like, huh. I want to say the end of our sophomore year, we probably would have been like, please don't ever put me in a room alone with that person. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Please don't ever put me, if you want to put me in alone in a room with that person, please give me alcohol and no weapons no and weapons. look at us now <laughs> he's going to be kicking me out of his house when I have kids but it's okay because I'll keep on coming back
0: and the crazy thing is it's this kiss part because you wouldn't be kicked out if there were no kids involved <laughs> just drop and that and you'll like, be fine
1: Uncle Mikey hates me and he's going to be like it's this uncle part this
0: uncle. Who's uncle? I'm friends with you, not your children. And that goes for anybody listening. I'm not friends with anybody that came by me. Alcohol, let's be real. Unless your family, you are the 21. What do we have to talk about? Unless it's a speech, it's some mentorship. Honey, stay away from me.
1: Uh, yeah, guys, we're stuck with each other like glue, pretty much. Like
0: glue. <laughs> But one, um, I've already said this, but thank you so much for joining this podcast and just sharing some of your experiences with us. Like, I'm very excited to get into this topic. I think you and I both have very strong opinions, but, you know, appropriate opinions, especially for those that are Black and entering very strong career fields in such a different time than normal. But we'll get into that a little later. I wanted to start, as you know, with our structure. We're going to start with our positive and negative. So you're the guest. You're the guest of honor today. So um, what's your positive? It could be something that happened this week, anything that happened. Just what's positive?
1: Yes. So what's positive is I'm done Christmas shopping, which I'm very excited about because, like, I think last year was probably more last minute. Um, and my, one of my love languages, I don't know if it's my first or second, but it's definitely gifts. Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously, with this job, I can now afford to get like decent gifts. And I've been staying with my family since March. So, and then I stopped paying rent in September, October. <laughs> September. Hallelujah. Oh,
0: shut exactly.
1: Down. So, like, that kind of prompted me to like really go in on Christmas gifts. And so today, and yesterday, the last set of gifts for my father and my brother-in-law came in. So I'm done. I think I'm done Christmas gift shopping. Unless like BBO were to want to do like a Christmas gift exchange. But if that's not it, then I'm done gift shopping.
0: You can give me a gift. I'm not too worried about if anybody else gets a gift. But you can give me a gift if you want one. We could do our own personal one, honey. But I ain't worried about what other people want. <laughs> Christmas is about receiving. And it's Capricorn season too. So y'all need to gift me all season. And need. You know, Jesus is a Capricorn based on uh Catholicism and white Christianity. Jesus is a Capricorn to so respect us.
1: Oh my gosh. Jesus being a Capricorn is funny because like Jesus is not a Capricorn.
0: Jesus is a Pisces like, if he was into astrology because he was born in March. Let's be clear. Like, he, let's it was not honest. cold. It was whenever late spring. like we
1: talk about like Christmas and the birth of Jesus, like growing up as kids like, oh that's super lit. And then, like as I got older, and I start realizing, like, when it's summer here, it's not summer somewhere else. So are And I was like, ah, the math is not adding up the way that it should be.
0: Like most of history, it's all yeah. lies. It's a lie. It was all <laughs> lies.
1: All oh lies. Uh, uh, we yeah. have to start talking about the actual topic.
0: Hello, exactly, and we're what? already acting what? up. Um, but thank you for that. I would say my positive is um, holidays are coming, and I am a super holiday person. Um, as you know, Thanksgiving um, is next week. When y'all listen to this, Thanksgiving will be past. But as of right now, Thanksgiving is next week, and. I'm just so happy to, one, get some time off from work without dipping into PTO on personal days because I think it's much needed in this virtual working environment. Um, I'm just very happy for the content that's coming out. Like on Netflix, like I told you earlier, I just watched this Christmas. Like I'm a sucker for holiday movies. I watch Jingle Jangle with my roommate um, or future roommate uh, over FaceTime. So it's just been like a big, and I'm not an emotional person, as you know, but it's been a big time with me like, enacting in one of my love languages, which is quality time, not only with myself, but with my loved ones and love that. Um, Yeah, but that's enough about me and enough about positive stuff. Let's get into these negatives. So here at the Turn the Mic On podcast, we um, had this little caveat we say before we uh, share our negatives. God has been so good that we can't complain, but if we could complain, Mm. what would you complain about today?
1: Uh, I love that because God, I feel like God has blessed me so much. And like, sometimes when I'm having like a bad day, whether that be like mental health or physical health, I find myself beating myself up even more because I'm like, well, God has provided you with so much. So I like that like little like asterisk, like, you know, God has been good, but like there are still negatives. I love um, my negative would just be, you know, I, I tend to, overextend myself to people especially with work um and sometimes that cuts into like my me time so like I was supposed to be off the past two days um Thursday so today's Saturday so Thursday I probably only actually got like half the day to myself because I had to use the morning to like you know finish some work um and Friday Once again, work stuff popped up. And even though it was only, it took an hour of my time, it was still like to get in that mindset takes you out of that break mindset. Um, So that was the negative is because I kind of put myself in that predicament, not 100% on me. Like it definitely was like some of the people that I work with um, kind of being underprepared. But I'm the type of person where like from a team aspect, like your failure is my failure so i often overextend myself to like my detriment so like that was the negative was you know not fully utilizing my time well
0: wow i mean i that's kind of similar to what my negative is um cuz it's definitely work related um And normally um, the positive and negatives aren't even related to the topic, but it just so happens this week was a little more stressful specifically like Thursday. I don't know when I got off work, which was a little later. Um, the normal, well, basically normal at this point in time, but, um, I don't know. I just felt like I thought I was sick. I was like, oh my God, am I getting sick? And I'm like, I ain't left my house. Like all I do is work for like X amount of hours a day in my garage. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, my body is tired. Like I'm exhausted. I'm over it. Like I need the weekend to be here now. And I, I think for me, like just that burnout is starting to set in. Like I'm finally out of that probationary period when you start a job so i can take personal days and time off which thank god but it's um still like you know i'm i was just tired and like to me like i am really struggling like trying to do this podcast and she got my graduate degree and working full time It, it, it takes a lot and on the weekends i have to you know instead of I mean, granted, it's still a pandemic, but instead of like linking with you for drinks or like going just shopping and doing all that stuff, I tend to spend that time catching up with what I didn't do during the week. But that's just my negative. In January, it's going to be a whole different situation because grad school will be done. Praise God. um, And I'll really just be balancing hobbies and work. So grateful for the future, but the burnout is definitely a negative. But speaking of burnout and work and corporate America and being black, let's get into the topic. Like, so, so I want to start for uh, everyone that is uh, not working, looking to work as an energy. I want to be like candid, but obviously professional because we are not losing our jobs to trying to be funny. But like, I think it's very Important for us to be real. Like having a job during a global pandemic is amazing. It is super grateful. I wake up every day and thank God, like, thank you so much. I'm grateful for my job despite how I feel. I am so grateful for my job because a lot of people are out of work. A lot, we ain't getting a stimulus check anytime soon, from what it sounds. I'm just grateful. But like we said earlier, we could be grateful, but there's still some things that can get under our skin, especially being new professionals. So Let's talk about your first impressions of working in corporate America, at your job, just working and the expectations and the pressure. What were some of your first expectations or first impressions? Excuse me.
1: First impression was I am grossly underprepared. Hello. You realize that. And it's like a gut punch. You realize that you spent the last at a minimum. If you went through just K through 12 and, and you know, a bachelor's degree in the standard four years you went through you know 16 years of schooling and so you have this perception of choice that is a little bit disgruntled and a little bit not true to to the world <laughs> because like getting in the workforce everybody's favorite thing is oh ambiguity amb- you gotta be okay mm-hmm. with ambiguity, and like you think because you're grown like you're an adult like quote-unquote adult because like we're not really grown grown at
0: all uh, <laughs>
1: And you think that like you you have it all figured out, and then you get into the real world, and you realize all the choices that you've made in the past, especially in those sixteen years, were not necessarily as free choices as you think. Like, if you went to school and you were a business major, sure you picked your class schedule, but you had to take the required classes of a business major. Same thing if you were in scripts; you had to take scripts classes. So yes, we chose things, but a lot of that was picked for us.
0: Oh, most definitely.
1: And so when stuff is being picked for you, you know, there's, a, there's a, a sense of carefreeness that you don't have to be as on your P's and Q's. There's less that falls on you. When you're in the workforce, it's on you. Mm-hmm. All choices are yours. All pathways are yours. The weight is on you. If you make a mistake, it's not because your advisor gave you the wrong classes to take. It's because you made the wrong choice, you know? Um, and that is, that can be, like I said, a gut punch. It's like, imagine standing in front of a wave and you know you can't outrun it. Like, it's just gonna have to hit you and you're gonna have to take it.
0: Child, I was telling uh, somebody, I don't know who I was talking to, uh, but I might've been talking to like one of my work mentors or something, (laughs) but shout out to black women and black people in the workforce. Like when Mm -hmm. you start working, they will scoop you up and take you in as we do our can. Well,
1: some will. Because some some skin folk ain't kin folk and you have to be very cognizant of those people Mm -hmm. because there are some people who it's nasty to say, especially when it's like black people or women or like, you know, depending on like your sexual orientation, somebody who Mm -hmm. falls within your community, like people who you have a similarity with because of a struggle and adversity you would think would have your back. And there are some people in the workforce who see you as a threat to their success. Because they like being the only minority. They like being the only this, the only that. So yes, to shout out to all the bomb black mentors, all the bomb gay mentors, all the bomb mentors, period. But also not shout out to those feisty people who kind of try to cloak as mentors. And really, they just trying to check in on what you're doing to make sure it's not better than them
0: hello but well i experienced that yet and i pray i don't Everybody, all the black (laughs) people that gravitate towards me they realize the beyonce that i am and they love it (laughs) but i was gonna say i was sharing with one of them and i say similar to your point about undergrad and stuff we spend and are pressured so much in school to be overachievers and to achieve all these accolades to enter a workforce where the progression is slow it's like and by slow i don't mean like oh my God, like you're going nowhere, but in some jobs you don't get a promotion just because you apply for it. It may take a year, at least in the advertising industry, um, you jump from agency to agency, or you just stay at your agency. It takes at least a year for you to get that experience before you can move up. Whereas we're used to applying for a position, Um, every time elections happen whether that's every semester every school year and doing it and then you get three months off at that with the organization at that so you're really just chilling because it's not like you do dealing with it every day because your main priority is school so I feel like we are super pressed to be overprepared and overindulged and overinvolved to jump into a workforce that is very slow progression. It's not a race anymore, it's definitely a marathon. And where you start determines your trajectory, and like what you learn determines your trajectory. And that's something I realized very early on. Like, I was like, I did too much if I could go back and just chill because what's waiting for me, the jobs that are waiting for, like, granted, my goals are still my goals and my aspirations are still super high, but it don't take all that I'm doing in undergrad to put me there. It don't take that. So if I could go back and just chill, like, I do think my grades, like how I did in school, would remain the same. But if I could have chilled and not did all that extracurricular stuff, probably still stuck with SGA because I was probably the only thing that's still on my resume that still gets me into doors because of the experience I got from that. But I could have just chilled a lot more because it it, it really you're not moving nowhere. Like you entry level, sis. You entry level, bro. Like <laughs> do yeah. what you need to do, and then entry level it it is for me. Humbling because <laughs> I'm so used to being the brains, developing the strategy, coming up with the ideas, and whereas entry level you the hands, like it's kind of like mm-hmm. how the government works. You have Congress, um, the legislative branch, and all this stuff. The people that make the decisions, and then you have the police and the people with no formal education most time yeah. enforcing it. And I feel like I'm an enforcer right now, like. I don't really see the big picture all the time. I just know that I have to do this. I I don't really get a say-so in this. I just have to do it. And it's not like, you know, I can complain or, like, try to throw a fit about or get an extension or something, but it still has to be done because that's what I'm getting paid to do. And I think for that, that lack of control um, really – just, like, I really, like, the first couple months, I, <laughs> like, my mind, I had to retrain myself, like, you can't be upset, you can't argue your way out of this, you can't make people be, like, this is what's expected. you do it. And for me, that was just so much. It was, like, it just most recently got into the mindset of, like, it just got to get done. Prioritize yeah. what needs to prioritize, it has to be done. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was a lot.
1: You haven't hit your, like, wow, I'm in the workforce, wow. I'm entry-level moment until you've, like, contemplated or actually cried. Yes. Or, like,
0: left work and complained to everybody. Like, yo, I can't. I'm tired. (laughs) Like, I'm so irritated. Like, you know?
1: It's just, like, you're like, oh, this is life.
0: This is, like, I literally said how to, like, we're expected to just work Mm -hmm. and then go to sleep and do this for how many years until retirement? Because the average age of retirement is, like, 65. So I'm supposed to
1: do this every day. For how many years I got left? Like forty two years. And like this clock, like nah, one of us gonna have to leave and I think it might be me.
0: Well not even leave because I mean God, speaking of goals, like my goals are just like I think I don't think it's gonna take as long as it normally would've takes taking a black person to climb the corporate ladder, but yeah. I, it's just going to be a while. Like
1: It's going to be a while. And I'm just like... For me, I, I would say my goals have definitely restructured themselves since mm-hmm. getting into the workforce because I'm like... Oh, hell yeah. Certain things I don't... I don't like... like I was never a titles person. I was mm-hmm. just a person who had a lot of titles. Yeah. It was just like... You know, we're pretty similar in the fact that we were well-known on campus, We, but we were involved in everything. It wasn't like we were just yeah. well-known for no reason. We were just involved in everything because that goes back to that overachiever. Like it was so much so in our blood and in our nature. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm in the workforce, I don't want to be on every committee. I I don't want to be on every, you know, the team. I don't want to be on every, like, you know, stretch project. I don't. I don't. If it's not, you know, a value to me, like my soul or to like my career goals, I'm not just going to add it to say that I was on all these things because I now have, I value my time differently than I did in college.
0: And especially when your time is so limited, especially like, mm-hmm. and that brings you to our next talking point, work-life balance, because mm-hmm. does it exist and working during Corona, working during a pandemic. Because I remember someone saying, we're no longer working at home, we're living at work. And I agree to that statement because as someone new into the workforce, I'm like, really sitting here, like, how do I, like, I'm so used to after five o'clock, I can go to the gym, I can go grocery, I can go to somebody's house, I have wine, and go get a nice dinner, obviously like more COVID appropriate. But like, I'm like, Wait, 5 o'clock, I'm still sitting at this desk. I've been sitting here since 8.30, 9 o'clock. I'm still working and there's still work that needs to be done before I can sign off. Huh? I thought this was a 9 to 5. Yeah. And you realize working from home, like, there is no separation. Like, I know, like, I don't know if my managers or coworkers do, but I know people will be like, okay, I got a doctor's appointment. I'll sign on after this or I have a doctor appointment at this time. I'll be Mm -hmm. off from 12 to 2. I'll be back on at two. And then they know they have to stay later because they missed two hours of work for that. But it's like work and life have intertwined and you just work around work. So no meetings at this time. All right, let me walk my dog or we have a lunch break. Okay, let me go to the gym real quick. Or let me do a quick workout and then log back on. And for me, I'm so used to it being distinctly separate. Like work is from the, kind of like school. School, I have classroom these time, this time. And then I'm going to do my own thing after that. And that's not, at least currently, that's not how it is. And that was such a shock to me. Like, I was like, I don't have any time for myself. And the weekends go by so fast.
1: And as a person who worked pre-pandemic, like, when I joined my job, it was August 2019. The pandemic really touched us around, you know, March. I would say there was about a two-week period and like, you know, early-ish March, late March into April, but not too deep into April where everybody was like, maybe this is not going to be bad. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, people work hadn't, it was at a, a weird, like gray area of like, yes, we're working, but like also we're not working, but like, yes, we're working. And like, people are like trying to have new hobbies. Like it was just a very weird period. And it was weird because I think none of us were prepared for what was coming next, but we knew it was going to be different. We knew that not being able to go into an office and leave an office. And if you worked at home already, you know, yes, yes, you worked at home already, but you worked at home when like the rest of your team worked in office. And so like that, we didn't realize that that office gave us that boundary as much so. So like those two weeks were kind of like weird because it was like people were working, but I would definitely say like a lot of people I knew, they were like, I don't really have that many meetings because like everybody's just trying to figure everything out. And then once everybody figures everything out, it was just like nonstop. Like we just started going a hundred miles per hour, five days a week, sometimes six, sometimes seven.
0: Speaking of meetings and like, because it's virtual, you have way more meetings than you normally would because most (laughs) of the meetings are like regroups or like, can you hop on a call real quick? So it's like, and for me, I'm an independent worker. Like give me, or like I learned through working this job. I don't like being my handheld. I like you to show me and all this, but I like time to do it. So like, honestly, although I tend to work after five, that's when I get a lot of stuff done because I'm doing it on my own time. No, typically, most people aren't pinging me unless it's like absolutely necessary. But like, for me, like, especially when I'm just still learning, when I get a ping in the middle of doing something, I always assume it's urgent because like, why are you messaging me when I'm working? Like, you're, you're, like not saying like nobody would just want to talk to me, but like, obviously you need something. Like, why are you messaging me? Like, and then my attention from the task at hand has been mm-hmm. trying to get this done so I can get back to this because this needs to be done by then. And obviously that's more of me prioritizing. It's not the job, but just the work from home. Like, and everybody keeps telling me because I started virtually, like I interned virtually and then hired on. I've never been in the office and everybody I've talked to is like, man, you've really never been in the office. Wow, it'd be so different if you were in the office. Like, yeah, because I would know what the actual, le- my expectation would be leveled. Yeah. But because it's all virtual, I don't know what the expectations are. I've never met anyone in person. Like, mm-hmm. I, people people don't know how tall I am. They don't know what I actually, I could be fat, you know, not saying there's anything wrong with being fat, but like, this yeah. could look good, but it could be all curvy under this, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't know nothing past my yeah. chin for real. <laughs> I got titties. I got titties right now. And they would not know it and be so surprised.
1: I have never seen in person. Like, of course, I've seen like screens and stuff, but I've never physically seen two of my teammates from what is now my former team. Because as of Monday, I'll be starting, you know, with a new team. Congratulations. And again! Thank you. And And I haven't I never saw any of them, which is crazy because. Our team was just very like they everybody's favorite thing small but mighty really just means that we all had like three different jobs so we all like we're just you know kind of you know stretched thin on top of the fact that it was a pandemic you know on top of the fact that I that team was very like not all of them but it was enough of them that were socially conscious that then it trickled down to the rest of the team so that was also something that was on our minds of like we need to change or we need, not we, never mind. Um, that some of us need to change and do better and speak up more. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of bonded us because that was, uh, that was, that's, if those things alone, and there's still like 10 other things on that list that were going on around this same time, really bonded us as a team. And it's crazy to think because, you know, I definitely plan to stay in contact with most of those people and two of which I have never seen a day in my life. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, like this is one uh, fellow Black employee, same level as me. She messaged me as soon as I got the offer and was like she added me to the Black Employee Resource Group and that's my girl. We have on my calendar, it literally says it's Fridays, weekly kiki with Scott. And it's like <laughs> like that's what we do. We got 30 minutes to just kiki about our week, anything that's going on. I recently found out she is a uh, Real Housewives of Potomac stand as well as Real Housewives of Atlanta. So we are really stuck for life. So yeah. like I, like, never met her in person, but I could tell if we go to, um, if we go to the office, I meet her in person, that's going to be my sis. Like, that's already my sis, but that's my sis, okay? But um, speaking of, sorry, (laughs) but speaking of um, work-life balance, kind of veering back to that, how do you manage it? Like, we complained a little bit. Oh,
1: okay. I don't. I would say, My work-life balance from uh, April-ish, yes, but really May until last week. No, honestly, until Wednesday was like not good because it wasn't consistent. So there was probably collectively in that entire time period, there was probably only max six weeks. And not back to back six weeks, like spread throughout that entire time period. There was probably only a back to back like two week period where I would get off before eight o'clock and not log back in to do at least another hours worth of work. So there would be sometimes that I would get off like around like you know six thirty. But that's because I was like eating my first meal of the day at 6.30 or like I felt that going one. to like drive and do something and then come back and doing work. Like that's not work-life balance, especially if I'm starting my day at like 10.30, 11. Um, and, you know, I also was doing that to kind of prove a point because I had just kind of bounced back from an unfortunate situation where someone was saying that my my quality of work was not where it needed to be. And I'm the type of person that I could show you better than I could tell you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. Um, but was that prideful? Yes. Was that needed? Yes, because, you know, yes, it was my pride, but it was also my job on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, I sacrificed work-life balance for pride and making sure that, like, I felt that my job was secure, that my name was not on the top of the block. So work-life balance, I'm hoping that that is something that I will get you know, moving forward, especially in the near future, just because with us going into this, you know, lockdown two, you know, um, and it being darker at like five, like mentally, that would not be healthier. Like that I was living when the sun was out longer.
0: Well, I mean, hell yeah. One. Yeah. And then two, I, and just to anybody listening who is like, oh, no, I I don't want to work like, you know, that's I'm not saying like working is horrible. And I hope you don't get that. But just the realities of it in a co- working while in COVID, it's yeah. like that. Okay. It really is like and some I tweeted about this recently. I was like, how do you all have work life balance? I've seen people getting drinks after work with their friends. And I'm like, don't aren't you a corporate lawyer? I heard that was stressful. How do you have work-life balance? But me working advertising, I don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And or I'm like you like, were
1: like, "Oh, I just did a yoga class in the middle of the day." I right, like, like, like you did a yoga class. You. When I found out that people were taking naps during the day, like so no, long, no, like hours, I <laughs> was. That's
0: a, how much she make like what what job and like this is not to like sell anybody out and say like they're not doing their job because we can't speak on that but it was just like how do y'all have time but my work day is consistently meeting 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 mm-hmm. work work like even in the downtime i'm not i'm not Watching TV, I might be able to put a wash a load of clothes in the washing machine. But I am working at all hours, like you said. Your first meal of the day is at six thirty. My breakfast is typically a cup of coffee. Might mm-hmm. do a smoothie for lunch, but like actual food doesn't come into my stomach until about two or three o'clock. Because I to just the don't point have the time. now where
1: like I am now struggling to eat more than like a, a meal a day. Like literally went to a restaurant yesterday for like, it was a, you know, a a nice little happy hour. It was like really nice because no one was really in the restaurant. And I, before I drank, I literally had to think, what did you eat today? And it's my day off. Like I, like yesterday was one of the days off and I still did not have my first meal until six 30. Like I, I had a, three fourths of those little cran apple you know little cran apple bottles mm-hmm. add three fourths of one of those
0: but it's way easier to drink not like alcohol but like liquefied your food to consume mm-hmm. when you're working because me i like to cook so and that was part of the issue like when i was back in new york like after i got off work or if i had a break after hours i have exquisite taste Mm-hmm. And I cook like I have exquisite taste. And in order to do that, I have to have the time. That's something I lack. So, like, mm-hmm. towards the tail end of me being in New York before I came home for the holidays, I was Uber eating and door dashing every day because I yeah. genuinely did not have to. Thank God for a job and no real responsibilities at the current moment. But, yeah. like, I, you know, And like, I
1: said that to a teammate before, and I, I will say. You know, I I love my and love is a strong word, but I I do genuinely love the company because I feel like they're they're making a really positive impact in the world. And I do you know, I liked a lot of my teammates. I wouldn't say that it was my teammates that made things difficult. It was just, you know, the pressures of work and that that there wasn't that divide anymore of if I'm driving to the office, I got to leave. Like I can't Period. I can't sleep in the office. And so I would always try to like make myself like feel better or like try to not make other people uncomfortable, which I think is a thing that young black people
0: do. One hundred and we go into that. You know, not we asking.
1: we you know, we overcompensate in a lot of areas unbeknownst to us, but just out of a force of habit of not wanting to seem ungrateful. Because mm-hmm. for us to be ungrateful is not just it's not just an us issue it becomes an issue for another black person and and a lot of us don't want to do that and I say a lot of us because I've talked to enough of young black people who have said similar things to me that I've said to them and we realize that that's just a lie that's a whole other that's a whole other tangent um but yeah I said that to a teammate like you mentioned the responsibilities thing. um and she was like, you were on really late last night. I said, well, I'm always on kind of late last night because just, you know, stuff has to get done. And I was like, but I don't have any kids and I don't have a spouse. I'm just living with my parents. And my father makes his own work schedule. So it's not like, you know, I'm not seeing him. Uh-huh. And That's my fire. mom chilling. Like, yeah. So like, it's not, it wasn't impacting me too hard. Now, of course, I, I kind of slacked up on making dinner. And that was one of the things that was like, I will try to contribute to the household by making dinner while I'm here. But outside of that, it wasn't like, you know, they were starving because I didn't make dinner. It wasn't like a right. building great And my team, it was like, that's still not fair to you. Because I was like, I don't have a career. I don't have kids. I don't have, and I realized like there was so much more behind the like, oh, I don't have kids. I don't have a spouse. It was like, I don't want to seem ungrateful. I don't want to seem like I'm like not a team player that I'm letting balls drop in. You know, being young and in career, work-life balance is is something that is really to each his own, but it is also very much so the the team and your manager, Mm -hmm. how that is shaped.
0: Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback on that, like working while Black and starting at the bottom, you feel the need to prove yourself. You have to like, I mean, I think anybody at entry level feels like they have to prove themselves at an organization, at a company. But specifically as a black person, you're fighting off preconceived stereotypes. You're fighting off any any, like just wrong impressions that were perceived initially. And then you're also just firing to prove that your work ethic is good, you're more than worthy to be here, and you're more than worthy of being promoted and getting, collecting this check, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something I recently, like,
1: on top of, myself about. It, depending on where you're at and who your family is, especially for Southerners. Mm-hmm. Like, well, no, not for Southerners, because it don't matter where you came from. Like, if you, most of us have descendants of slaves. So i for myself in this moment
0: you know i'm a descendant of slaves slaves have you seen my hair
1: <laughs> i'm not gonna play with you mikey but like for me like you know i actually had a really touching moment with my mother maybe about a week or two ago because how about when a
0: I was, week
1: ago about a week ago um because long story short i was telling different people who i work on projects with on my current team that I was transitioning teams and they were just like oh my gosh I'm so sad to see you go you're such a good worker um you always have and a lot of people start talking about this energy I have and this you know you just that have this energy word. yeah
0: I hear it everybody. too like you're so like you're just so enthusiastic and you keep the yeah. team up
1: they were like you have an energy that will be missed when it's gone and I was like okay, thank you. But like the last person who said, she was like, you genuinely just have something about you that is just, it's very kind and it's warming and you're always welcoming. And I said, well, thank you. I attribute that to my parents, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I had talked with my mom and I, you know, I was like, basically talking about the sacrifices because part of why I get to be as carefree and as hopeful and as good as I am is of course, me but it is also very much so my parents and my grandparents and my family and the sacrifices and so part of like why i'm always grinding so hard is because like i had a grandmother who would skip out on lunch and had drink a pepsi cola and smoke a cigarette like she worked on her feet 10 hours a day in a factory like no formal education. That's
0: like, you related to, um, candy births. You, is that, <laughs> is that mama Joyce? <laughs> it's my,
1: no, it's, it's my mom's like my, my <laughs> mother's mother. Cause my mom was the youngest of nine. So hey, only um, the youngest two went to college. Mm-hmm. The youngest was my mother. And so like, that's always ingrained in my head. Like there was a woman who literally would not eat, has walked home from work at a 10 hour day, going through neighborhoods where there are KKK leaders to put her daughter through school and her daughter who was told by her guidance counselor that the best that she would be able to do is work in a factory in town or go to the town's community college. Yes. My mom's counselor literally told her that because like my mom was like, you know, she always says she didn't know she was poor, but my mom. (laughs) Do any of us know we're poor? (laughs) (laughs) Every person that I know who is like, Oh yeah, I was poor. was like, I didn't know. And that's just a testament to like how black women will literally put everything on their back to make sure that the people who they love are good to go. But yeah, her counselor like straight up told her, like, no, the best you can do is work at one of the town's factories or the mills or go to the town's community college. My mom then went to school. She's now like this super successful guidance counselor. Like she always fights. And so like, that's the, that's the blood that runs through my veins. So that sometimes is both my strength and my Achilles heel because sometimes I I overexert myself and you know erase that work life balance just for the you know making sure that I'm not making their sacrifices worth nothing because if I were to get here show my behind and get fired after just the past two generations did what they had to do to get me here that's shameful in my opinion. Well,
0: I also would say I mean I 100% agree with you. I feel like there's this similar to you like my family. I, I'm pretty sure my, my grandmother grew up on a farm in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. It's um, similar to your mom. Had a, she's the baby. Is she the baby? She's not the baby. No, my aunt Josephine is the baby. But nonetheless, it's just like, I get it. I hear you. I see you. I connect with that. Um, but I was going to say, it's so crazy how many guidance counselors, and I just have to assume that guidance counselor was White, yeah, um, because why would you? I'm black. People aren't the only people that are poor. I'm sure there were poor white people. Were you having the same conversation with them, or were you uplifting their little heads so they could do whatever they wanted to? Because that's the American dream. The American dream, and I'm sorry to be a little political and radical. The American dream was built on the backs of black slaves, and yeah. the American dream is only a dream for white people like, well, why The then?
1: American dream was quite literally...
0: It's a nightmare.
1: Oh, for sure. It was literally, you know, if you think about the concept of the fact that the foundation is slaughtering of the original landspeople, it is then to steal from another land's people and bring them to the land that you just finished slaughtering the people, have them work, build it up to the pristine, shiny coin that is showed off to the world. And... Then you start to bring more people who you're going to deem as less than. And along the way, you're always reminding them that they will never get what they're building.
0: Girl, I knew that the American dream and capitalism was decapitating. When I saw this TikTok yesterday, and I have to do a little more research, but the chick said, do you know when abortion first became illegal? And uh, abortion first became Mm -hmm. illegal in 1860. Well, what happened in 1860, slaves were freed. So that meant no more free labor. So that that law was put into place. So like slave owners, families, kids, like their wives could not get rid of the children. So they had people to work on the land now that slaves could refuse to work on the land. So like people saying like abortion is illegal for murder. No, abortion was illegal for capitalists. They needed people to work. I have to research if I saw that TikTok and I was like, I gotta look into this because evil, evil you evil 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 but let's move on let's move on because that let's move on anyways 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 uh, (laughs) um let's talk about actually working while black i feel like we've danced around it but what are the realities of working in a place where there are few people that look like you and even if they are more than normal they're not directly on your team or they're like someone you have to go out of your way to talk to and have a conversation with because we're not all together like we're used to being at HBCU or even in high school when we could all the black people could find their people at the lunch table stuff like that work is not like school it's different so like how is this
1: um so i work in the pacific northwest and if none of you know where the pacific northwest I is, i hope different- you do just, just know Seattle. So, like the Seattle, the Portland's. Uh, it, I, me and Mike, you're from the seven five. You know, Norfolk yeah. has the largest, nor like the largest naval base in the world. So, it's yeah. a pretty diverse area. That was a, uh, you know, a jump to move somewhere that wasn't as diverse. And so, in the workforce, I would say because my company has, from a top-down perspective, they really value diversity and inclusion. And I include inclusion because they make it known that it's not just getting the diversity, it's also including them. And they're not perfect because no company is perfect, but I give them like applause because they are trying. Now I say that, and then I also transition to the fact that I have also had difficulties being a black woman, not, you know, oh, people are keeping me from ascending. No, I'm too early in career for anybody to really try to Mm -hmm. keep me from ascending. Like we're entry level, no one's really looking or checking for us. But simple things such as like people touching my hair without asking. That, you know, a woman once told me, like, you're, you're, you know, you're, you talk so nice, you don't have to talk like that. That's not an interview. Like, this is not an interview. This is how I talk. So it circles back to like, are those things offensive? Yes. But I also have to be mindful of who's saying it, who's doing it. What happens if I react this way and that way? And it's just, mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like um, in the circus when like you go to like that, like room of mirrors and like you don't know which one is real, which one's a pathway. and So so you're almost just standing there because you don't want to make the wrong move. And so that's what it feels like sometimes being Black in the workforce is that you're just standing there because you don't want to make the wrong move. And that circles back to you not wanting to, in my case, I always think I can't mess up. Like these, Mm -hmm. the sacrifices that got me here will never be in vain. Same. Somebody ahead of me can mess up. I mean, somebody behind me can mess up. But me messing up and blocking the opportunity for somebody else like me, I I, I don't have the right to do that. So and, then I just stand there.
0: And the irritation, it's not irritation because it's also a blessing to do, but it also mm-hmm. is a load to carry. Like you just yeah. said, you can't mess up because... You, as much as our ancestors have paved the way so we could be here, we still gotta pave the way some more. Like it's like every like every black person in the workforce, or most of them. I can't speak for everyone because some people feel like they don't have to and they uh, they don't realize the color of their skin and the implications that come with that. But we all have to do our due diligence, or we at least feel like we have to, mm-hmm. because. We're like, okay, it's not about me. Like me working a job and doing stuff that I don't like. It's not about me. I can't just be upset and tell people off, even if it is professional, because I got to make a good impression so they can hire another Black person in this when I leave or so that more Black people can get in here so they realize that all of us are deserving of a chance and all of us aren't like that negative stereotype in the media because they will know a Black person that got some sense. Not saying that Black people don't have sense, but... You know what the art we depiction is.
1: Black, the perfect description of being Black and in the workforce is you, if you have one job officially on your, you know, HR profile, mm-hmm. you have a whole another one in your head and in your heart. So you're one always one. having to have two jobs, which isn't fair. But the thing is, a lot of us don't even want to take the risk of not caring. Mm-hmm. Because we're like, what does that look like for somebody else? And it's like, we say, cause I know I like, it sounds unfair. Like even when it's coming out of my mouth, it's not like I'm agreeing with these statements. It's not like, I'm like, yes, I enjoy carrying this weight, right. but I'm also just like, I think me and you both know as well as just like a lot of people know, like we don't even want to take that risk of not being mindful of that because what it means. Right. And that is, that's, that's the frustrating part is like, there are some risks we can't even take.
0: I mean and like that's not to say like you said you can't do it but it's just like for people like us are the overachievers like we aspire to be the breadwinners out of all our family not even just our immediate family but like all of our family like oh uh, yeah same but I expect to be a (laughs) buchiwa and I will maintain that bougie lifestyle, so someone else can provide it for me. So with that mindset, just knowing, like, outside of just race, it's like, I can't mess up because I know the expectations I have for myself and the things yeah. I want to do for myself. And if that means I got to bite my tongue when somebody pissed me off, and uh, you know, talk to my mom about it, talk to my friends about it later, it's just what has to be done because guess what? I don't get paid to complain. It's just not on my job description. And like you said, that second job in our head and our heart, girl, on top of the work I'm doing, I've like been onboarded into like two other diversity and inclusion projects, which mm-hmm. not complete. love that. Like, love that. Like, that is my heart. And like, the more I work, the more I, the, my passion for diversity, equity and inclusion, because not just D&I, it's mm-hmm. My passion for that grows every day. Like, it's not something I can see myself doing full time, but definitely something I'm always have my hand in. Like, I don't see myself and that may change in the next couple of years. I don't see myself like, oh yeah, all I do is develop programs and pipelines and all this stuff for black, people, which would be amazing. But I know yeah. I don't really want to work in HR. I want to do other stuff. I still want to work for fashion and entertainment and doing stuff like that. But nonetheless, like you said, it is a second job and a second job that I very much enjoy. but the weight and the setbacks and the burdens and the emotions and the stress that come from that, from just processing normal day-to-day stuff is a lot. And it'd be good idea. It just be like that. What can you do? You, okay. We don't want to be unemployed because, like, the, I don't even know if they still don't have extra money in the unemployment.
1: I'm too and, used to this lifestyle to be unemployed.
0: Hello? I'm too used to being able to put a decent amount in my savings every check.
1: And that's on period.
0: Oh, pff, hurt. hurt.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. So, um, I'm going to do two more talking points. I want to take all you time so let's talk about code switching so when do you code switch at work how often do you do it how real is it because i mean we talk about it like we as black Mm -hmm. people talk about it but like what is it really like
1: i feel like when i look back at it i probably code switch if it's a group of four or more people who i don't work with on a regular basis Mm -hmm. because if it's people i work with on a regular basis like by like week three i was like I, I can't keep up this aside the only thing that I really didn't ever bring up for a while was like the fact that I don't you know actively date men like I don't
0: but I that, don't actively date men for those that don't know there's a five percent chance there's a
1: five percent chance so I identify so oh I didn't even do this in the beginning so my pronouns are she and her um i identify as queer or bisexual it depends on the location that i'm at
0: it depends on the tender.
1: <laughs> it depends on the tender. it depends on if i'm trying to you know <laughs> i know some people don't like to date people who identify as bi so I, like i am ashamed to say that i will be like queer to try to like be like wait what about me
0: <laughs> girl do what works for you
1: but like would you date me? And so, you know, that was probably the only thing that I kind of, and that's passing. I was straight passing. I've always been straight passing. I feel like I most always,
0: women are straight passing unless they have shaved their head very, and dyed it a different very, color. Very, very,
1: very. And so some women lean into that. Some people don't. I lean into it from the aspect of, like, I don't talk about, like, dating-wise, but I, I make it very apparent my views on the LGBT community. <laughs> like, you're going to know, one thing you're going to know about Alexis when you meet her, work with her, whatever. Is that she is very pro black and she is very pro LGBTQ community. Um, I love that. You know, once I got more comfortable, I started to be more open about the fact that, like, because I might be like, is there any guys? And I'd be like, mm, no. <laughs> but I would say, like, from a code switching perspective, like, after a certain point, I would say probably like week two, I was like, I can't code switch every day with people. Mm-hmm. Like if it's on like so I had to pick and choose so if it's like my direct team I love Meg The Stallion I literally told one of my coworkers like a month into me being there, um I was like, do you like my Angela? And they were like... That's such a deep question. They were like, yeah. And no one wants to... And what I realized was a lot of people were saying yes, but they they were saying yes because they didn't want to seem racist. And so I was like, oh, Megan's like a rat by Angelo. And it was like, like, you know, like that is not necessarily something that you should say at work. But like, I'll be like, I don't really care. But like I said, if it was like four more people who weren't on my direct team... Then I would kind of tone it down. I was always my bubbly self, but I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying it's giving. Like, I literally was on a team call like a week ago, and I was like, that blazer you're wearing, it's it's giving. I was like, it's actually giving me life. And then the thing about code switching is sometimes when you code switch back to, like, yourself, you have to be okay with them not knowing what you're saying.
0: Of course. that
1: was something that I wasn't at first when I joined the company. And then as time progressed, I was like, I don't know what they'd be saying with some of their jokes about, you know, Shit's Creek.
0: So Shins that's it's okay. is actually a good show. You should watch it. You would enjoy it. I like Everyone it. Moira says is that. my I just favorite. Don't. <laughs> Love her.
1: Everyone says that. It's just like, but I, that's like, I have so many shows that I should be watching. And when I get oh, off, yeah. I'm just to like, watch a funny YouTube video and like go to sleep.
0: I mean, and, not to veer away from topic same way when i get off i fall asleep to youtube like if i fall sleep to natural mm-hmm. hair videos or apartment tours because that's mm-hmm. really where my life is right now like today um like i said earlier i watched this christmas while i was doing my hair so like that's the most tv i've watched all week like i don't act well uh, well and i'll catch real housewives when it airs but i probably won't watch it throughout the week because i just don't have the time and maybe on the, during the holidays is typically when i can binge a lot of stuff but like i don't have the time working during the week and then on the weekends um You'd you be trying to catch up on all the free time you didn't have during the week, so you can't really... You're not really trying to sit in bed and watch TV. Yes, Stan, I agree. You should check out Shit's Screen though. Um, oh. But back to the co-switching, I agree with you to the part of, like, I... I'm always bubbly. I'm all this. My code switching is probably a little different because I'm articulate. Not saying that when people code switch, they're not articulate. But like, I talk the same. Like, how I talk to you, is this how I talk at work? Um, I would probably say I sneak a little more inwards and, uh, what is the word? Vulgar language when I'm talking to like my friends at work, like Sky, who I was telling you about or like when I'm talking about something I'm interested in. But most of the time it's very professional. I'm also like a very private person unless I like, like you and even like, if I like you, there's still a wall to like what you'll know and stuff. So like, I feel like I am only really comfortable about people who are past that wall and not that many people work social in general are past that wall. You know, I think the setting has everything to do with the code switching, but I think for the most part I am the same. Um, But also they don't get to see as much of my personality. Like, I was to my manager the other day they're like oh my god you're you you're so upbeat like you're so positive I said, it's so crazy because I'm a pessimist outside of work I actually complain all the time and she's like oh well and it's like yeah but like you know I am a pessimist but I'm not like a serial complainer I'm just like I'm not as optimistic as I am at work I'm an optimist at work so I can get through work that, that is why I'm an optimist. If I'm upbeat, I can trick myself into being upbeat for these eight hours while talking to other people. And then when it's after certain hours and I can just work by myself, I can go back to my pessimism and complain and roll my eyes and be irritated. So that's how my code switching works. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, obviously it works better around more black people, but I don't really talk to that many black people at work during the workday. I'm mostly talking to my coworkers who don't happen to be black yeah
1: okay
0: all right and he
1: then like, the for me that was my favorite part that they just you know don't happen to be black
0: they <laughs> don't because i mean i don't work with all white people um there is a hispanic man that's mm-hmm. it <laughs> on my direct team that's it <laughs> everybody <laughs> else is white and <laughs> hey, me. yeah, i
1: mean
0: the listeners at home
1: were definitely thinking you were going to list one more person you were like nope. mm, that's it
0: Nope, him and me, the only brown people on the team, which is not, I mean, obviously like from a DNI perspective, you take what you want from that. I mean, we, it's, it's, it's moving along. We haven't ran into any issues thus far. If I could change it, would I? Probably, but I mean, I'm as most black people, I'm grateful to be here. Yeah. There you go. And that's how we're going to leave it because you know, God is good nonetheless. So one final talking point before we end it with our rapid fire what is the end goal? What is your end goal? Like what is it like, what is all this hard work we're putting in right now for, and it could be career, it could be personal life, it could be like your retirement, like what is this long, what is long-term benefits that you're trying to reap from this?
1: The thing is like, it's very crazy because getting in the workforce reminded me that I really am just like a family person. And I had this Mm -hmm. conversation with a like work um, friend who's from Georgia and me and her had a really good conversation just basically about being from the South and how, you know, it's very cultural for family to be a huge center of our decision making. And that's not to say that when you're not from the South, that, you know, family isn't a part of your decision making. I've just noticed that like, like Sunday dinners, core values, like there's a lot of things that the South has stayed tried and true to, which has trickled down generations even past when, you know, it it originated. And so I say all that to say that before getting into the workforce, I was like, oh, you know, a job and I want to do this and I want to do that. Just all these high professional goals. And now my thing is just like, yeah, I want to do, I want to enjoy the work that I do. I want to, you know, be paid what I'm worth. I want to enjoy the team. But in terms of like plans of like ascension and like you know i know some people who are like i want to be the cvp of xyz or i want to be the ceo i want to be the cfo mm-hmm. i want to be the general manager like i want to be what we call them people manager so like i want to be a people manager and i want those people who's just like if i'm paid a good livable wage i like the work i'm doing like i'm vibing i'm cool like my my goal is like am I going to have a job that provides me enough work-life balance and financial stability that I can be the parent and the partner that I want to be?
0: Cool. And I wish I was like that. So, cause I am the, I want to be the, um, in the (laughs) C-suite as long as there's a chief something. Okay, honey. Mm -hmm. I I really don't care what it is. (laughs) Prefer communications, marketing or strategy or executive often. but I want the chief, but that's just a personal goal of mine. I'm very competitive. I am a boss. Um, But after entering the workforce, I will say, similar to what you said, the work-life balance and the pay are kind of more of the focus now. Like, there are certain things, and maybe in the future I'll reconsider, like, those are still the long-term goals of being in the C-suite at a publicly traded company. For those that don't know, that's an Apple, a Spotify, not an entrepreneurial venture, like, because the only Black CEOs I know are people that have businesses they've started I don't want to be a CEO or a C-suite of a business I start I want to be of a, a business yeah. that we know and that you recognize I, mean, I don't have to explain that you
1: it that because like more recently I've seen a lot of like non-entrepreneur like, non-entrepreneur, like shaming mm-hmm. everybody don't want to do that like some people are okay with a nine to five like I'm that type of person I don't don't know if I thrive with owning my own business as my main source of income because I've had businesses before and I've stopped them because I don't like it. I didn't like being everything at once. Honey,
0: entrepreneurship is great for those that it's good for, but y'all ain't got no benefits. I need health insurance, dental, okay. I don't need to provide, I need it automatically provided.
1: If I that's didn't want to be a, like a people manager over people because I was concerned with like, you know, having an impact on people's careers. I cannot imagine being an owner of a business where my decisions, my business, things of that nature affect not only my employees lives, but their family's lives. Because like if you don't got good insurance, like that's not just a you issue. Like that mm-hmm. is a your family issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, that's a lot.
0: I think we also have to consider, because I used to be an entrepreneur shamer. <laughs> and I say that because I'm reformed and I understand that the nine to five life you is not are for a everybody.
1: entrepreneurship shamer or an entrepreneur trained?
0: I was an entrepreneur shamer. Like, I wasn't against oh, entrepreneurs, okay. but like, my argument was always like, yeah, I got no benefits. Like, and you're, you know, it's everything's on you. Like, yeah, nine to fives are whatever they are, but like benefits, consistent pay you know, like those are things like entrepreneurship is very up and down, especially in those first, I would say one to five years before you even make in, until you make enough to hire other people and outsource things. It's all on you, you know, and every day is a work day. Whereas nine to five, Monday through you get paid, you know what I'm saying? Like those benefits were it. But like looking back and working in the workforce, I learned like I am the entrepreneurs in that their day is their day. Like they don't have to get up and be online by nine and work solid eight hours. They could stop. You know how we were talking about like people going to the gym and all that, that was their life. Like, and they didn't have to do work all those times. They weren't doing other stuff. Like they could do work at six or seven at night, but the rest of their day, you know, they could do whatever they want. we it's just chill, hang out, get their hair done because that two hours of work that they put in is enough for their business at the moment. They don't have to work a full eight hours. And I envy yeah. that because it's truly exhausting to use your brain for eight hours. And like, and it took me getting into the workforce for me to you know become reformed and like I understand entrepreneurship, like I get it, and that's not to say that they don't put in work because I know some entrepreneurs that work their tails oh, off just do. as much,
1: but and even entrepreneurs don't be the ones who are like shaming people who don't want to be entrepreneurs. Let me put that out there too. And real I entrepreneurs aren't forex investors. Yeah, I see a lot of people who are like either you're also working. And like, you're shaming me for working. And I'm like, but we, 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 both clock in around the same time. Or then I see people who like, they want to be entrepreneurs and like, they're sort of entrepreneurs, but like the business model is a little weird. The business, I will admit the business model a little weird and they just go in. And I would say there are some entrepreneurs, you know, who are real entrepreneurs and you really, you know, have like a full blown business who do do like nine to five shaming, but like a lot of like real entrepreneurs, like they're too busy to be worried about what we doing.
0: Honestly. The only time they
1: come out to talk to us about what we're doing is when they're trying to like sell it, like they little like how to make it classes. Besides that, they be minding their business.
0: Uh yeah. But just speaking of that, um, there's an episode, Shameless Plug, um, with one of my good friends. Um Ain't so solid. She actually does a lot of the promo for this podcast. And it's called The Entrepreneur. And we talk, we go in about entrepreneurship, her business, like how some other people start these businesses with the ease of social media, but aren't necessarily putting in the work. And that's how the business is growing. We talk about all that. I think that is a good episode to listen to just to hear the perspective of an entrepreneur. That's enough. That's enough of that shameless plugging. But I agree with you. entrepreneurship is for those who it's for. I will no longer shame them. Um, Not that I like went around shaming them in the first place, but I just have my opinion on it. And I still think the opinion I have in terms of benefits, consistent pay, like all that is, that's enough reason for me to stay in a nine to five. The only thing that I would like leave a nine to five for, or like would love to change is the flexible working hours. Because I genuinely don't believe that you need, it takes eight full working hours a day to I don't think it takes that, honestly, but I could be wrong. I'm just entering the workforce. I'm seeing things from my level, not the higher level in the long term. So that might be it. But that's enough about work. Thank you so much for being here and discussing your opinion on work. Now, let's get into these rapid fire questions because I always love it. So just to let you know, shout out to Brene Brown, her usual, because she's an amazing top tier white woman. Um, I got this from her new girl i love brene brown i have her book i need to finish reading it and i listen to both her podcasts that's my girl that's my friend we're friends and she was in wine country watch that movie on netflix great love her sorry i am a brene brown stan i cannot stress that enough. i love that one. she is so like this is just a shameless plug for her she has two podcasts dare to lead which is based off one of her books and then she has um oh unlocking us with brene brown and just she's Texas bred. She went to University of Texas at Austin. She studies shame, like Brene Brown. is just so amazing, and I just like listen to it. Like she's just so I'm like
1: listen to her on your behalf because everybody has been trying to get. Like I'm not saying I, I was like a anti-Brene Brown person, but I also was like one of those people. Like sometimes, not all the time, but I can admit that my ego and pride will be like if everybody's telling me to do something, I'm not going to do it. I'm unless it's going to bring me money, I'm not going to do it. So everybody was like, oh my gosh, she's so great. She's so great. And I was like, I am I going to pay? I'm not no. going to it.
0: I'm not I will tell you the episode you should listen to. And I think you benefit is the episode um, where she interviews Laverne Cox. It's about trans, visibility uh, and all that. And I think you would really love hearing her talk oh. about that. Just coming from a white woman's perspective. And they even talk about like how some women are scared like of trans women as if it like embarks in their womanhood. So I think it's very educational. I leave every episode learning something different and taking it to be a better person. She's my personal therapist. She doesn't even know it. <laughs> Love her. Oh, but nonetheless, back to what we were talking about. Rapid fire. Got this from her. Seven questions. Answer it with the first thing that comes to your mind, hence the rapid part, but that does not mean you can't think about it. Like I think it, 10 times more enjoyable and realistic if you are sitting here like, damn, let me think about that. So answered however. But yes, this is rapid fire. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Question number one. What is your zodiac sign? And do you think you embody the stereotype that is that said sign?
1: So I'm a Gemini and I do think I do embody some and at times all of the characteristics of a Gemini. But I think I'm one of those, like, sour patch kid, Gemini. But instead of being sour first, I'm, like, sweet first and then sour.
0: LOL. That's true. You're very nice to other people and they get to know you. That's not (laughs) a bad thing, though. That's not a bad thing at all.
1: And then they get Uh, to, besides people I date, and then they're like, oh, (laughs) she's actually a demon. LOL.
0: I think demons work well together. Look at us. Bonding, demon to demon. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Okay, what is a common misconception that people often get wrong about you?
1: Oh, so I think because I'm so open and so chatty, people think I don't keep things to myself or keep secret. I'm girl. just kind of just very particular. This is how I like to live my life. I'm an open book as long as you won't use what you read against mm-hmm. me. But I'm also going to tear some of the pages so you won't be able to read something. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I'm pretty open about a lot of things. So A lot of people feel like they know me and it's like, no, you know, the perception that I'm allowing you to see Girl, a very Gemini thing.
0: I, well, I mean, it's, I do it too. Um, I don't even know if I got Gemini on my chart, but I do that too. It just in the aspect of like, people think like <laughs> they know me, but people also think because I'm so social and I talk to so many people that I'd have a big mouth, maybe I know some stuff. And never said nothing about it. Like there have been plenty of situations, even with amongst our friends, where they have mm-hmm. said some stuff and I have not said anything about the topic because I would be known, but that's just not my place to say nothing because child.
1: Anyways, <laughs> anyways. I would definitely agree that Mikey keeps good secrets.
0: Yeah, it's just not my business to tell. I've never I'm a firm believer, like people think I don't mind my business. I mind my business, and I know like it's not my business. Now if you ask me something. That's a little different, but just to be blurting people's business out and just like, you know, especially if it's your business to know, because a lot of times I'll be very vague in the answer. Y'all be like, well, I just think maybe you should talk to that person about this because it's not my business, you know? Not my business. At all. Um, But okay, number three, what is something that interests you that other people would be surprised to hear?
1: Um, a weird thing that I recently got into was fan fiction. So like, if you like a, like a show, people will like write alternative endings and it's like, this is how you know it's rapid fire. Cause I definitely would not admit this. Cause this is such a nerdy thing, or at <laughs> least I think sometimes it comes off as a nerdy thing, but there are just some very talented, just ordinary people. Like they're not in the writer's room of some of our favorite shows, but they're writing something that would be a classic. So that's been something that I've gotten into recently. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool.
0: Um, fun fact, I used to write fan fiction about Naruto as a child. On oh, that's why we are friends. <laughs> uh, I used to write fan our
1: fiction. Souls, literally. <laughs> our souls are just so tied together. It's crazy.
0: That is hilarious. Oh, oh all right. So what's the last book you read?
1: Hmm. Incompletion.
0: <laughs> just skimmed looked at the cover, interested in reading.
1: (laughs) Oh, um, it's like how to write. It's a book that I would like to read. It's basically about like how to make sure that you're like writing in terms of like with your emails, you know, your own personal writing, just how to write better. Is Mm -hmm. that's something that I want to do? I'm very good with my words from my mouth. Not necessarily when I type.
0: I type how I write, but like being a communications major and using grammarly and writing papers and like mm-hmm. rereading stuff. Like, especially like when people have me edit their papers, that's helped yeah. me to better my writing because I'll read it. I'm like, this doesn't sound right out loud. I need to catch that. So I recommend that as well. Um, all right. Yeah. What's, period. What's one song or artist that has been constant in your
1: playlist lately? Um, Salt. Salt is this group. I think they're out of London. I don't know. Um, they're just so, 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 so good. And now that I'm getting older, I'm realizing I'm more of a hopeless romantic than I would like to admit. That, does, like, not that, mean, <laughs> that does not mean that does not mean that's how I date. How I date and how I actually am are two different people. They probably should meet. It would make my life a lot easier. But some of the songs... Um, Salt, so spelled S, I think it's S-A-U-L-T. So if you're listening, listen to Salt, Masterpiece. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, They have a few other ones that are good. But yeah, that's on my like literally Spotify repeat, like three Salt songs.
0: Amen, I love that. All right, what's the last series or movie you've watched?
1: Mm, The last series. It would have to be, I'm thinking of Lovecraft. Mm, okay. yeah so i've w- I've watched a lot of stuff but like not that has like ended the last thing that i watched that ended was lovecraft so obsessed literally praying that there's a season two it probably
0: will be i think so
1: <laughs> i'm hopeful but the budget was crazy
0: i mean and then post-pandemic but i'm sure if the ratings were as good as everyone's been talking about oh um,
1: well so they were good i will say this i from if i remember correctly because we must have had a conversation about it and she was, like, really looking into it. And she was like, it's doing well with African-Americans. Of course it is. But that's because not the target that. market. That Well, I, I think for the writer's room and the writers and the director and the people involved, it was. But if we're calling a spade a spade and we're being realistic about things, so was the get down. Mm-hmm. And we saw what happened with the get down.
0: Yeah. It's just like, I mean, anything could be intended. And by target audience, I mean, like, the viewership they care about white viewers like let's be real if white people are not interested in it it's typically going to go off air because um
1: you can't you can't accuse the cost you just can't
0: yeah and like i think white people are still the majority in this country too so i mean and they it's a lot we can unpack that another day don't got time for it today all right so last question what's one less what's one important lesson that quarantine has taught you share the wealth of knowledge
1: I guess that I need to be kinder to myself and not for not just for the people around me, but for myself. Um, Because I I, for years, I have not been kind to myself. I thought I was. But quarantine made me realize like there's you need to fix some things within you. If you want to live on this earth and live a happy life on this earth and not just for other people, but you want to be happy. So quarantine has taught me I need to be kinder to myself. Have I acted on that? Sometimes, but overall, I still think I got a ways to go.
0: I've said this, I don't know if I said this on this podcast and the episodes I've recorded so far, but and this is something I would love for you to implement into your life. Um, introspection, like and super introspection, like to the point, like and you remember, um, there's a point in time where I was. Send, i was asked how to take these personality tests and to do x yeah. y and z because i wanted to learn y'all better so i could learn how to treat y'all better but i also wanted y'all to learn me better as well so you knew mm-hmm. how to deal with me and that's been a big thing like i feel like i had false expectations of a lot of, of myself of other people and like i used to always say i would never do this to them i don't understand why they would do it to me and i remember like I don't know them as well as I think I do. And I don't know myself as well as I do like, and I don't communicate as well as I think I should. And that is something I quarantine forced me to work on. So I, introspection, read those self-help books, like read those little articles, take those little tests. Like I just say, take the time just to do something so you can better understand yourself every day because it, it makes a world of difference. And you remember those little things, especially if it's interesting and it's something that you believe is true. So that that's my tidbit. I would... I implore everybody to do that if you're, you need to be kinder to yourself. But yeah. I think that's all we have for today. Um, if you want to share, I never force anyone to share, but where can people find you? Where can people find your little creative projects? Not little, cause they're amazing projects. So where can people find she that is you? Uh,
1: I would just recommend my Instagram. So, I would recommend following me at Alexis Really. And I spell my name A-L-E-X-I-S and really is spelled like the word Really. Um, yeah, so that's my Instagram. That's typically where you can find like what I'm doing, what I'm up to, and you can also find the like content that I'm like making, whether that be like art or whether that be like videos, you can you know, usually find it there.
0: Well, that is amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, everybody. Be sure to follow her because she's on the brink of greatness. Um, As Nicki Minaj said, greatness is what we're on the brink of. Shout out to Pink (laughs) Friday, who has officially been out for 10 years. But nonetheless, thank you so much. Uh, Iconic. Happy Saturday. Get your rest. Enjoy your life and thank you I for I enjoyed this here. so much.
1: Do not let the face fool you. I enjoyed this so much. I just genuinely think I might be having a baby.
0: It's okay because most of the times when I'm doing Zoom calls, I look at myself. So it's okay, I didn't even See, notice. I
1: definitely <laughs> started to look at myself and I would be like, is that how I look when I do that face?
0: Well, I, I just think like I look that. really good. I'd be like, oh, I look so good.
1: You th- see, I think that's the thing is I don't think I look as good as most people think I look.
0: Well, I still think my face is crooked. So, I mean, that's something we have you think to Your
1: face is crooked?
0: I do. And it might be the front camera. Okay, this is enough. Bye, guys. We will talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>